0: Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Alright kids, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. A lot of interesting things have happened in our geekdom in the last seven days since we last met. There is, let's see, I'm looking through my notes right here. There is, uh, I'm trying to decide which one particularly is the most Exciting thing to talk about to start this episode of our Geekdom. Let's see. I am going to go ahead and start. You know, there is some talk about Joaquin Phoenix and his portrayal with the Joker, and how that this Joker is not even going to fit into the DC cinematic universe, which is kind of weird to do. Um, I I don't know if it's like an Elseworld type thing or, you know, if it's just like a contractual obligation with Warner Brothers. Because I know that there is a Joker and Harley Quinn movie being made. And it's, uh, I believe it's still with, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, shoot. Margot... I just blinked out on her name. What is her name? The one that played Harley Quinn. Let me pull that up and I'll find out for you. And anyway, uh, her and Jared Leto, I believe, is who... Let's see, I'm actually looking here at this nifty... I always have my Blu-rays handy. And it doesn't say nice, but I let's see, da, 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 da. Margot Robbie—that's her name. Sorry, kids, I couldn't, could not remember the name of her for the life of me. Um, yes, so those two are supposed to be doing a, um, uh, a, another Joker Harley Quinn movie that is going to be part of the DC Cinematic Universe as where Joaquin Phoenix is not doing one. Well, I mean, he's doing one, but it's not going to be part of the DC Cinematic Universe, which is, I don't know, it just kind of baffles my mind. So with that said, it it takes you right into our first topic of the day. And it says, and this is by CBR.com, It's Joaquin Phoenix terrorizes a subway station as the Joker in new set video. Um, And instead of just playing the video, I'll just tell you what it is. But let me read it to you. It says, a new video from the set director Todd Phillips. Upcoming Joker film provides a look at Joaquin Phoenix in full costume and the iconic DC villain. TMZ post a video from SplashNews.com featuring a pair of takes from a scene in which Phoenix's clown prince of crime can be seen unleashing mayhem on unsuspecting subway station. Not only does the video show Joaquin Phoenix wearing a Joker makeup scene and recently released camera test, which was kind of eh, but he can also clearly be seen sporting the character's iconic bright purple suit and sickly green hair now before i go on uh, if you can if uh, well you must be hiding on the rock if you've not seen the the release of the the, the film test or a screen test with joaquin phoenix as the joker um as far as that goes hmm, I think they're trying to go for more of the Joker 1966 feel with uh, Cesar Romero because that's that's the feel I got. And it's, it's not going to be like the obscured face that Jack Nicholson brought to it or the chopped up face that Heath Ledger brought to it. This is going to be something like I said, more towards Caesar Romero ish, you know, normal person just wearing clown makeup. Um so well I I'm kinda curious to see where this goes. Let's let's go ahead and go on with the article. It says it also worth mentioning that Phoenix isn't the only one on in the scene with clown hair or makeup. Numerous other characters in the scene is wearing similar yet elaborate outfits. Whereas some of these clowns appear to be enlisted by the Joker to aid him in spreading chaos, others appear to be just caught off guard as the other everyday citizens go about their business. It it will be interesting to see how the chaotic scene, as well as the hordes of other clowns, will play into the plot of this upcoming DC film. And then, of course, it's got to plug everybody in you know written and co-directed by Todd Phillips Joker stars Joaquin Phoenix as the meticulous te- te- character along Robert De Niro which is kind of an interesting pick Mark Marin what the sorry almost said a bad word but that's his uh, his uh, podcast WTF and then Zazie Beetz which is who played uh, Domino in Deadpool 2 Francis Conroy, Brett Collin, Bill Camp. No clue. It is scheduled to be released October 4th, 2019, next year. So, here it is, kids. It's, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of this as to why, because everything has a reason. Now, you would say, okay, well, comic book movies are hot, but it can be debated. It can be debated that, particularly DC. What is it? DCCU or something like that? Yeah, DCCU, DC Cinematic Universe. Um, they've not been batting very well, kids. I mean, as far as everything under the boat. Uh, I remember okay so what started it um mm, let's see what started it it Menace still started it and even though Menace still was still fairly good and it, oh, I own a copy myself I, I will say you know I do I own a copy um but it was it you know I don't know I I can't explain it um shoot it, it okay everything and so far DC has underperformed as as far as um Marvel there you go I didn't want to say it but I, I guess I'll just say it um you know and so if you're not hitting and you're not batting very good um I don't know. I just, I don't see, I don't see the reasoning behind making a Joker movie for the purposes of making a Joker movie because it's not, you know, you're not bringing in the, the views and I don't know. I I just, it doesn't make no sense to me. It really doesn't. I, I mean, I'll probably go see it. Um, My son and I are are DC fans, particularly we enjoy Batman. And there is another thing that's circulating um, online currently is that, let me see if I can find it here. There is a picture, uh, a screen capture of what we were talking about with the Joker, and there's a sign in the back And it says, Blame Wayne. You know, Bruce Wayne. So, I'm kind of curious to see if um, he's going to make a cameo. And if we are going to see Bruce Wayne or Batman. Which you would think would happen since it's a Joker movie. You know, you kind of can't not make Joker movie um, without Batman, you would think. But anyway... Uh, there's a screenshot that says that um I blame Wayne, so that's it's just kind of a little extra tidbit. uh something I was just scroll, scrolling through, sorry, kids, it is like early morning, and my brain's not fired up completely. um uh, something that just caught my my eye on the news feed. It says, former D.C. president harassed off Twitter by angry Zack Snyder fans. That's okay. This is impromptu. I have no knowledge about any of this. It just caught my eye. So we're clicking on it, and we're going to find out what it says, because I really, I don't know. I have no idea what this thing is about. Okay, it is... After voicing her support to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker following the recent influx of photos and videos of the new Clown Prince of Crime, former DC Entertainment president Diane Nelson has been harassed off of Twitter by fans still angry about how Warner Brothers handled director Zack Snyder's version for the DC Extended Universe. Nelson commented on a tweet from Warner Brothers containing a camera test of Joaquin Phoenix's author Fleck. In a Joker makeup, calling the film a great story and what DC should have been doing since Nolan. Um, Let's see. Even if die-hard fans struggle with this version. (laughs) Oh goodness. Okay, um however some fans quickly took exception to Nil uh Nilsson's remarks, interpreting them as a slight against Snyder, who was replaced by Josh Weldon or Josh Whedon, sorry, I read that wrong after an abrupt departure in 2017's Justice League. Initially Nilsson responded to the snake in the grass um Accusations by tweeting. I happen to count Zack Snyder among those things. If you are insulted, otherwise, no snake here. Soon after, though, she set her account to private after being flooded by angry comments, and has since deleted her account altogether. Many fans of the DC Extended Universe who were disappointed with the final product of Justice League have been have vocal. And blaming Warner Brothers and DC executives for reportedly derailing Snyder's vision, which began with 2013's Men of Steel. Nonetheless, regardless of whether studio interference has been a contributing factor in the particular incidents, harassment of executives, filmmakers, and actors, former or otherwise, is becoming an unfortunate trend in modern modern fandom. And then it goes on to... To give the list of who's been uh, you know been getting b- tortured online uh, for saying silly stuff so okay that was it that really uh, let's see uh, i have something else that just caught my eye what we were talking about uh, i'm gonna jump over here and take a little peek real fast ah interesting okay um, it says, we're going back to, since we're all still in DC universe, Joker set photo teases Thomas Wayne's, uh, run from air. And I'm looking at it and it does say moving Gotham forward and Thomas Wayne from air. Okay. Interesting. Let's see what it says. Um, a new Joker set photo teases possibility of Thomas, Weir, Tom, Thomas Wayne running for mayor. A picture, a campaign poster, which reported, reportedly snagged on a set of current in-production film, seems confirmed. Reports that the portrayal of Thomas Wayne will be a political amb- ambitions, potentially uh, for charitable doctor and business owners seen in many incarnations of the character. Interesting, huh? Interesting, okay, uh, just something that caught my eye, so it's looking like um, this is gonna happen kind of like Gotham esque type thing where where Batman is years away from happening still, and Bruce is just a kid, so I don't know that's that's kind of interesting i'm I'm interested to find out what happens there, okay, let's see, let me look at my topics here figure out where do i want to jump it looks like we are going to marvel land kids um one of the things that caught my eye this morning and let's see where is the article there it is okay and and if anybody that knows me knows that i am an advocate for freedom of speech you know the old Adage was, you know, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend the fact that you can say it. You know, that, that was our freedom of speech. That is in our Constitution. That is in our the amendment of the United States. And I was I was right there. I, I don't think we were even in a thousand range when I signed the petition to have James Gunn reinstated to the Guardian of the Galaxy franchise to do Volume 3 because I felt that it was a violation of of freedom of speech. And I feel that that is the same thing that with Roseanne, you know, Roseanne Barr. It was freedom of speech. Whether I agree or disagree, that, that is irrelevant. It is you have the right to say it because it's your American right. And I can't say that, well, you can say this, but you can't say this. No, it all falls under the same umbrella. And you you have the right to say what you say. So I, I was very irritated to say it mildly that they fired James Gunn and Roseanne. And I know what you're thinking if, if you're a conservative, you're like, eh, you know, on James Gunn. If you're a liberal, you're eh, on Roseanne. But the freedom of speech is freedom of speech, and it doesn't matter if you're a liberal or a conservative. It, it, If you're an American citizen, you're covered. You're supposed to be covered. So anyway, with that said, the article says, Disney CEO stands by Roseanne and James Gunn firings. So, let's see what it says. Disney CEO Bob Inger said that he stands by the controversial decision to cancel ABC's Roseanne and sever ties with Guardian of the Galaxy director James Gunn in the wake of offensive comments. It hit rival of... Let's see, let me blow this up a little bit, kids. This is a little bit too small for my eyes. Okay, um, Roseanne was swiftly canceled in late May following the racist tweet by star Roseanne Barr while James Gunn was fired in July after years, a year old, it was more than a year old, it was a long time tweet, by a filmmaker about rape and pedophilia resurfaced. The Disney owned ABC has removed, or has moved forward with The Connors, a Roseanne spinoff that won't involve Barr, while plans of Guardian of the Galaxy 3 has been delayed indefinitely as Marvel Studios regroups. Controversy is brewing, especially in the game, the gun case. Sorry, kids, I can't read today. While Hollywood figures speak out in his defense, and fans petition to have him rehired, which, like I said, I signed, However, Inger told Hollywood Reporter he fully supports the decision to cut ties with bar and gun. And then there's a quote that says, I would say that there is a blend of my helping to make the decision to support the decisions that have been made. He said when asked how involved he was in each firing. He did note some difference between the two situations. Now, I, I'm not going to get on a rant here, kids, and I, I because I already touched on this previously. There is no difference. Freedom of speech is freedom of speech. That, that's all I really, you know, re, regardless. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm going to read the, the quote to you, but I totally disagree with the situation. Because it's it's not different. It's it's a violation of freedom of speech for both of these people. Okay. So it says Roseanne was completely unanimous, Inger said. We discussed how it would be communicated and when when because or yeah, when because there were a number of entitles that had to properly be filled in. Probably talking about like TV shows. But the decision was completely unanimous. In reference to Gunn, Inger downplayed his role, saying that the decision was brought to me as a unanimous decision of a variety of executives at the studio, and I support it. When, the, when questioned about the result, resulting backlash, Inger said he still supports his choice made, be his executives. I haven't second-guessed their decision well that's uh, that's at least he's you know sticking with his employees, but you know gang i i don't know i just i don't i don't really I think the things that you should say, especially on your own private you know and, and that's the thing is is that I think you know these people want to reach out to their fans, you know, so they they make their stuff public. But if people start doing this, you know, digging for stuff to get other people in, in trouble just for... What's the word I'm looking for? Just for the cruelty of it, these, neither A, you know, celebrities... And, you know, well, let's call them celebrities. Let's wrap it up with that. You know, they'll neither A, delete it. Or B, they'll make their stuff private. And then you won't be able to follow your favorite celebrity. You know, I, I just, I don't know, kids. I, That's kind of a eh for me. Because I feel... Well, like I said, I think it feels just like it's uh, a violation of people's First Amendments. I really do. Okay, let's see. Where do we want to go next? How about... Yeah, let's see. Ooh, okay. So, are you guys fans of the new Transformers movie? Well, I say new. I, I guess it's been going on for about ten years now, huh? Um there was a gosh, I don't even know how many movies there has been so far. But um I grew up in the eighties and I'm a, a big fan of the cartoons, the original cartoons. And I seen the first one and I, I won't lie, I wasn't too I'm not a big fan of uh, Michael Bay, so I I really didn't care much for it. And that was it. I I pretty much stuck with the first one, and that was it. So now I guess they've played it to where they can play it no more, and now they're coming out with a uh, Bumblebee trailer. And from what I understand, I guess they're actually going to make him a Volkswagen, which is cool because that's what he was. And if anybody that knows knows that he he was a, a bumblebee, you know, the bee, the, the beetle or not the beetle, but the a bug and a, a VW bug. And then he came back. They, you know, they fixed him up and he was still a bug, but he was gold. And he became gold bug. And but anyway, uh, he he never became like a sports car. Is where I'm going with this. Anyway, talking about Transformers, um, I seen the first trailer for Bumblebee this year when my kids and I, I believe, we went and seen uh, some movie at the theaters. I can't remember. And it looked okay. Uh, now, the second one, I guess they dropped a second trailer, and this is made news, uh, geek news, rather, and... Um, and it says, Bumblebee trailer number two reveals old school 80s Transformer Soundwave, which is one of my favorite uh, Transformers, even if he is a bad guy, Cybertron, and more. Now, this almost, I haven't read it, but this almost feels like they are they're going more with what happened in the cartoon. I'm looking at a picture, and I'm looking at Soundwave, and it looks pretty spot on. I'm looking at Optimus Prime, and that actually looks like Optimus Prime, the the cartoon. I mean, there's some things off on it, but it still looks pretty close to it. So, let's just see what this bad boy has to offer. Okay, it says, 1980s have been a full comeback mode for a while, and the Transformers franchise isn't skipping a beat with Bumblebee. Paramount Pinchers has released and unleashed the full-length trailer for the movie in which gives us the first look of the old-school version of our favorite Autobot and Decepticons. The film, which takes place in the 1980s, was a heyday of the Transformers cartoon series and toy line, which has been fans' yarning since the first Transformers movie in 2007. So it's actually been 11 years. And I totally agree with that statement. Not only does Bumblebee signal what could be a complete reboot of the Transformers franchise, but it takes everything back to the basics and where it all began. The Bumblebee character returns to his original Volkswagen Beetle form, which already has many old-school fans of the initial toy line and cartoon very happy. It looks like Paramount has ditched the rest of the modern Transformers film franchise to bank on the Bumblebee standalone movie will bring to the table at the box office. And then it goes on to say, this new footage is extremely exciting. The Transformers fans have to be super pumped on the fact that we're now seeing clear looks at 80s version of the characters. Shatter. I wonder if they're thinking Shatterstar. A Decepticon. Triple Changer, who transforms into a red Plymouth satellite and a herring jump jet. Dropkick, a Decepticon Triple Changer, who transforms into a blue AMC and a Bell AH-1 Super Cobra. Blitzwing, I remember Blitzwing, a Decepticon, who transforms into a red and white McDonnell Douglas F-4 Phantom 2 and a Barcade, Barricade. Sorry, can't talk. And Decepticon Scout of the, of course, let's not forget the red semi-trunk transforming leader Optimus Prime on Cybertron. And is that Soundwave? Really looks like Soundwave. And then it says, On the run this year, 1987, Bumblebee finds refuge in a junkyard in a small Californian beach town. Charlie Haley Seinfeld On the cusp of turning 18 and trying to find her place in the world discovers Bumblebee, battle scarred and broken. When Charlie revives him, she quickly learns this is no ordinary yellow B.W. Vug. Transformers The Last Night Box Office Failure is a movie that put the franchise on hold for the time being. While the future is uncertain, the hype Bumblebee is considerable and could very well see a brand new direction in the franchise that takes a look at what drew original fans to the cartoon and toy line that begin with. The studio seems to be going back to earn respect of the hardcore fans that have been there all along, but they're dissatisfied with the way that the live-action franchise was handled over the years. The Transformers live-action film were big-screen spectaculars and earned major box office cash with the first few installments. However, fans of the original cartoon series and animated movies were never really happy with Paramount's Kept Putting Out. Uh, that's that's pretty much it, kids. I mean, that's, that's it. Let's see. Oh, there's one more. It says, you can check out the brand-new footage on Paramount's upcoming Bumblebee movie online okay so uh with the information that i just read and the pictures that i'm seeing this may actually make me want to come back and check it out that's pretty cool stuff that makes me interested so i'm hoping that that'll do the same thing with you is make you interested as well Alright, let's see. I think it's time for us to veer into the world of the X-Men. So we all know that Marvel is owned by Disney and Disney with their incredibly deep pockets has purchased Fox. And with that, in doing so uh, it, you know, it picks up the X-Men franchise, which I'm totally really cool and I'm excited about because anybody that knows me, anybody that's been listening to this show knows that I, I'm a huge X-Men fan. I love the X-Men. Um, and so when I, when I came across this, I was like, OK, I, I need to share this with everybody. And this comes from MovieWeb.com. And it says, Marvel embraces X-Men again as mutants get ready for Disney debut. And I read that. I was like, yes, yes. I can't wait. Uh, I mean, I like the Avengers. I've always liked the Avengers. But I've always been an X-Men fan. So at least now I get to enjoy the X-Men. It says with this article, and this one's written by Scott Ryan. No, Ryan Scott. Read it backwards. Sorry, kids. It says, Disney purchases, purchase of Fox hasn't yet closed, but it's pretty much an inevitable at this point. And by the time next year, the X-Men and Fantastic Four will likely be back in the hands of Marvel Studios. That means big changes are on the horizon. But some of these changes are already taking place behind the scenes. Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld recently shed some light on these changes. Rob Liefeld recently appeared as a guest of Wizard World Con, Comic Con in Austin. During a panel which the writer attended, he spoke a bit about the future of the X-Men as it pertains to Marvel Comics. The publisher hasn't been releasing nearly as much Marvel related material over the past two decades as Fox has been capitalizing on their movie since the rights of, uh, sorry, I read that wrong, on the movie since they own the rights, leaving little motivation for Marvel to put out X Men comics. However, Lifewell explained that that's already shifting. Here's what he had to say about it. This is a quote from Rob Liefeld. Here's the deal. Since the X-Men movies came out and Disney didn't have them, I don't know if you ever paid attention, but Marvel kind of turned the volume down on the X-Men for almost 20 years. Now that they have them more, what was told to me was, oh yeah, our budget on the X-Men books are back up to what they used to be because we... We now own them all. Marvel Comics also recently reintroduced the Fantastic Four. Does this relate directly to the movies? Not necessarily, but it's the first breadcrumb that signals the company at large is bracing for the rights to be be back under one roof. This is good news for those who have been looking forward to Kevin Fergie being in control of Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey and the rest of the mutant gang. Rob Liefeld also spoke a bit about a massive X-Men event, comic event, that he's working on, which is set to arrive next year. And he says, I have a new project, 2019. It's a huge X-Men crossover. It's awesome. Marvel called me up last Thanksgiving and said, we want you to do a big story. I said, well, let's see if they'll go for this and i tried to do something no one has done before so i gave them a pretty aggressive proposal for an event and i can't say what it is i can't say what it involves i got a lot of new stuff unless disney was getting the rights back from marv or, or from fox rather sometime next year it's highly unlikely this x-men comic book event would happen whatever it turns out to be Would it be happening? It's still early, and there are still a lot of kinks that need to be ironed out before the merger is complete. But Rob Liefeld's insight is encouraging, and it sounds like these characters are going to have a new life at Marvel. First on the page, then surely the screen will follow. And that makes me really happy to hear, kids, because like I said, I'm a big X-Men fan. Um, I, uh, we'll see what Rob Liefeld brings as far as comic book wise because uh, I, I don't think he's been in comic books for a long long time so um, we'll see what he brings to the table that's kind of interesting to find out or it's going to be interesting to find out since we're still talking about the X-Men I've got two more uh, articles to go over and they're both X-Men so I guess we're we're doing an X-Men, this, <laughs> mainly X-Men, I guess, it seems like it, anyway, um, okay, so we're switching back over to comic book resource, and this one is Magneto and Xavier reunite in X-Men Dark Phoenix set photo, now, uh, let's see, I own all of the X-Men on, no, well, okay, I own all the X-Men movies, if it's X-Men, I own it. Um, I own pretty much all of the material X-Men-wise. There's only one that I'm not owning, and that is the Wolverine Origins, or X-Men Origins Wolverine. That one, that one, Uh, that was just really bad. (laughs) I just, I never purchased it. But I, I do own all of them, and I'm not a huge... Uh, How do I say this without sounding like I'm I'm being mean? Um, You know, I I started following the X-Men in 1987. That's how long I've been, been a fan. And I know the story up to a certain point, you know, like the back of my hand. And a lot of... Brian Singer's work was just wrong. I mean, most of it is wrong, and I was really excited when he came out with Days of the Future Past* because it, he reset everything. But then he came out with uh, *The Age of Apocalypse* and just screwed it all up again. So I'm like, ah! And you know, now they're coming out with *The Dark Phoenix*. And you know, the interesting thing is, is I'm looking at this and I see McAvoy. And I see, um, oh goodness, what's his name? The guy who plays Magneto. Good grief. And then, um, oh, what is his name? I am so sorry, guys. I'm just like brain dead. Oh. Uh, anyway, um,. Oh, Michael Fassbender. That's it. That's it. i just seen it. And then um, Jennifer Lawrence, of course, uh, who's not blue as Mystique. She's just Jennifer Lawrence. So that is, I don't know, guys. It's That does not scream X-Men to me. I mean, yeah, they have um, Charles Bald again, you know, McAvoy. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mystique was never the leader of the X-Men. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to go in and I'm going to read this uh, before I get into a long rant about the revamps of Missing the Mark on every single X-Men movie ever made. It says, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender are together again as Professor Charles Xavier and Magneto, a new photo set of from next year's X-Men Dark Phoenix. Man, I really I really have my fingers crossed that they don't screw it up because they really <laughs> they really 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 missed the mark with uh, X-Men 3 if you remember, and they did the the Dark Phoenix. They really, wow. Man, I hope they do better. Uh it says the duo which first started as the classic X-Men characters in 2011 X-Men First Class are the focus of the set photo as the sequel continues reshoots for February release sharing a cup of tea over a friendly game of chess at an outdoor cafe well that at least that's that's plausible you know i'm trying to remember if it takes place in the 80s But in the 80s, if I remember right. Huh. I was just thinking because um, in the 80s, Magneto takes over the school. Because everybody thinks Charles is dead. Uh, Let's see. It says Dark Phoenix begins reshoots late. Let's see. Late last month to polish the film and are expected to conclude by the end of this month. Uh, let's see. Taking place... Oh, this is taking place in the 90s, not 80s. Okay. Taking place in the 90s, we're adapting Chris Claremont and John Bryant's classic X-Men storyline of the same name. The upcoming sequel is the fourth film. Fast Bearer... Fast Bender is portraying the X-Men antagonist after 2014's Days of the Future Past, 2016's Apocalypse. The fifth for McAvoy, has portrayed Xavier, Professor Xavier, after reprising the role in a silent cameo in Deadpool 2 after appearing alongside Fastbender in previous films. And then it says, you know, it's written and directed by Simon Kinberg. Don't know who that is. X Men, Dark Phoenix stars Sophie Turner as Jean Gray, James McAvoy as Charles Xavier, Michael Fassbender as Magneto, Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, Nicholas Holt as The Beast, Alexandria Ship as Storm, Ty Sheldon, Sheridan, sorry guys, uh, as Cyclops, and Cody Smith McPhee as Nightcrawler. All right, well. Okay, we'll see. We'll see if it's any good. I I have my fingers crossed. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping it's going to be good. Okay, so we are going to go ahead and we're going to shift gears and we're going to close up the shop for this week and look at X-Men comic book. More specifically, you know, um, when this happened a long time ago. Um what was it? Twenty twenty fourteen, I think. I I could actually go to the Jazelmon website. Actually I think I might just do that because I'm curious. And I read the um oh goodness. It was the death of Wolverine and i was just i was not pleased to say the least um to the point where i brought back who's the boss which was my solo show at the time and i did an entire podcast on the final issue of the death of wolverine and that was back in i've pulled it up right here episode 39 which was october 25th 2014 so almost four years ago wow so wolverine's been dead for four years so with that said we go to the final article of the day and it is logan is probably still dead in the return of wolverine and i'm I, I'm curious to see what it says. Uh, but I do have to say, warning, this article contains major spoilers for the return of Wolverine number one. In stores now. In 2014, writer Charles Soule and artist Steve McNeven killed Wolverine and apparently the death of Wolverine. While... The death is still something rarely sticked about in the world of comic books, everyone's favorite Claude mutant was actually off the drawing board for three whole years. While another Wolverine, Old Man Logan, would take his place, the real character was truly dead. That is, until he came back near the end of 2017 in Marvel Legacy Number One One-Shot. With the new purpose ad with new purpose, and a soul stone, both of which made him all the more mysterious. Hmm. Interesting. It says, Since then, Logan, I was going to say Wolverine, but Logan has made some random appearances here and there, and at the end credits pages to start the Infinity Countdown, and given his soul stone over to another hero believed to be dead, Black Widow. Eventually, the X-Men discover that his grave was empty, an event which led to four different groups of superheroes to search for the X-Men all over the world. But they never found Wolverine. Only more questions. The answer to at least one of these questions are set to come in a series which will examine Wolverine's proper return to Marvel Universe, Return of Wolverine. However, some subtle clues in the first issue indicate that the series might actually take place before the character's actual return to life last year. <sighs> okay, here we go. As issue begins, reader are properly left uncertain as to when and where the events are taking place. Wolverine is alive. He's wearing his classic yellow and blue costume, but he also has flaming hot claws, something we already know will somehow come into play later when he calms down and gets his bearings. He realizes he's in a laboratory of sorts, and a dying scientist is nearby. No, no. They killed you, he tells Logan. You're dead. The return of the return of Wolverine number one con, contains geek mythology symbolism. The scientist speaks of Satora, the mysterious organization behind the return of Wolverine, and of their leader, Prosephone. He pleads to Logan to kill him, because otherwise his torment will never end. He says he will never rest. This all takes place in the first three pages of the issue, filled in panel rifle with symbolism that marks us, makes us wonder if Wolverine isn't already alive at all, but actually in hell. In fact, hell is the title of the first chapter, and it might make more literal than you realize. In Greek mythology, Persephone is the queen of the underworld, a.k.a. the queen of hell. Further, her organization is actually a mythological word meaning savior, and it is closely associated with, among other deities, Persephone. Interesting. Okay. Just giving us a little peek at that. In Greek mythology, the realm of hell is surrounded by the river Styx, whose water possesses dangerous abilities and attributes. In the underworld, humans remember their lives, but if they drink the water of the river, they forget who they are, and they succumb to hell for eternity. When, or excuse me, Perhaps this is why there is a subsequent of sequence panels devoted entirely to the scientist drinking a bottle of water, given to him by Wolverine an attempt to calm him down, not long after he asked Wolverine to kill him, to spare him a lifetime of unrest. Could could it be that the scientist is actually asking to be delivered from hell? In a, later in the issue we find out Wolverine no longer resemble, or remembers who he is. A nod, perhaps, to drinking the water in hell after point after getting there. Something that would explain why he would no longer remember his identity and why he would easily offer water to a stranger. But that's not all. In the issue, Wolverine also briefly fights With a masked character who we learn is actually Omega Red. If if you've been keeping up with the villain's history, then you know that last time we saw him, he actually died as well. Therefore, it stands to reason that he too would be in hell. Interesting. This is interesting, kids. I, I, I find this very interesting. Let's see. Oh, this is a two-pager. I like it. Uh, At the close of the issue, Wolverine puts on a new costume and takes on a new mission to rescue the missing son of another scientist at the mercy of Satora. The final page sees Wolverine pop his claws and declare, let's go meet the devil. While this is obviously meant to be read as being figuratively, may in fact be quite literal. After all, as the queen of the underworld, Persephone is the personification of the devil. This issue also ends with the title of the next chapter, The Sea, which could end up being a reference to Wolverine crossing the Styx to reach Persephone. There is a theme of water at play in the series as well, as Greek mythology overtones that seems to hint at one possible conclusion. In Return of Wolverine, the title character is still very much dead. In fact, the very first line of the series is someone telling Wolverine, You're dead. Interesting. Uh, Let's see. If that is the case, The Return of Wolverine would actually be a story that takes place before the Marvel Legacy one-shot. In Return of Wolverine, Wolverine might still actually be dead, for the time being, at least. The series title may well very be more literal than we thought. Spinning a tale of exactly how Wolverine returned to life last year, perhaps here... We will find out exactly what brought him back and why he returned with such a clear purpose and clarity. All right, that was I, I'm looking forward to that. That is very interesting to me, kids. I yeah, bring it on. Let's do it. That's that's a bit of some good news for my comic geeks out there that enjoys a good X-Men story. That looks uh, the the artwork looked good. The plot sounds good. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, kids. That is it for this week. Come back next week, and we'll see what else I can dig up in comic book news or any other anything I can find. I'm I'm always looking. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya, and I bid you adieu.